Hi, um, welcome back to another podcast episode. Um, today I kind of want to give some thoughts on the election, some predictions. Um, currently it is what October thirteenth today. Um, and so I don't know how accurate this will be, you know, in a couple weeks, but I'm just kind of speaking to um, what we know now. Um, And what we know now is Biden is predicted to win by huge margins. Um, He is up in the polls, but I believe last time I checked more than double digits, um, more than 10%. I, I, um, He's doing pretty well, Um, but obviously none of this matters unless people go out and vote. Um, I kind of mentioned this in my last podcast episode, but I do have more faith this year, hopefully. I don't know. I, um, I think in 2016, what I heard from a lot of Democrats... Um, Hillary supporters was, of course, she's going to win. You know, there's no way in, there's just absolutely no way that Trump wins. There is absolutely no way. Um, Like, yeah, he has strong supporters from the KKK, but there is absolutely no way that this man wins the election. Um, So people didn't vote. I mean, what was it? Um, more than 43 million Americans who sat the election out, uh, chose not to vote. Um, which is just remarkable, but also not entirely surprising considering, um, you know, in a typical election year, not more than 40% of the population votes, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. Um, this year they are predicting that it will be a lot more, Um, I think Trump has done a really, really good job exciting Biden supporters for supporting him by being awful in every single way possible. Um, and I, I think that, you know, Biden is great in the sense that he really has this like broad appeal from, uh, people like the Lincoln project, people from the Lincoln project that are super upset with the job that Trump has done and hate Trump. And then people from, um, you know, like, like leftists, people who are very, like, pro-Bernie, pro-AOC, pro-Elizabeth Warren. Um, personally, that is probably the group that I would most closely identify with, and uh, he obviously has very strong support from that group, even though he isn't totally on the same uh, plane as Bernie and has made uh, pretty substantial mistakes in the past, uh, especially with, you know, the thing that people bring up all too often is, is the crime bill. Um, definitely was not very good for the black community and yeah, but also he, he has, um, huge support with, um, the African-American community, especially, um, older African-Americans who of course know him from the Obama administration. Um, and, and that's actually part of the reason that he won the primary in South Carolina, um, was because of those voters. So he definitely has that base um, pretty solid, although the Trump campaign has been trying to appeal to minorities, um, specifically Asians and um, African-Americans quite a bit. And I think Latinos too, they've been appealing um, to them, but Trump doesn't really have a lot of support in any of those communities, nor does the Republican Party. Um, 
the most part. But of course, there's people like, you know, people that stand out a lot, like uh, Tim Scott and stuff, like people who are very, very, very strong Trump supporters. And Nikki Haley, um, you know, she is Indian American. Um, and, and by that, I mean, like, the actual Indian, not like Native Indian, which again uh columbus or sorry indigenous people's day was yesterday and i think um it is very obvious who the better person is because biden uh wished everyone a happy indigenous people's day he wrote a really wonderful heartfelt message i also think he made a video which i didn't get around to watching but um you know whereas mike pence and trump were out there praising columbus who of course was notorious for going and raping people and um slaughtering natives and probably decimated their entire population and is responsible for you know obvious uh centuries of um suffering that ensued after that so um not not the best guy to be celebrating but okay all right celebrate colonialism cool um good for good for you guys um yeah, I I honestly, at this point, I think there's absolutely no question. Um, I don't think that I was actually making these podcasts during the Democratic primary, which, um, you know, I wish I did because I had a lot of thoughts and it would have been interesting to see kind of how my point of view has changed from then to now, uh, considering everything that has happened with COVID and, um, oh gosh, so much more. <laughs> um, uh yeah, I I was a very strong um, Pete Buttigieg supporter for a lot of it, which, by the way, side note on Pete Buttigieg, he is doing an amazing job. Um, I don't know if uh, you guys have seen the clips of him um, going on Fox News and absolutely destroying the Fox News anchors. He actually made a really, really smart point. Um, one of the uh, Fox News people asked him a question about, um, you know, how Kamala Harris was super pro Green New Deal. And obviously she had a pretty substantial role in writing the Green New Deal and is a pretty prominent supporter of it. And they were like, oh, why does she want to be on the ticket with Biden, who obviously is much more moderate, does not support the Green New Deal directly, but um, has a lot of the same policies and stuff, especially on environmental issues, uh, which he's changed recently. Gosh, I'm like speed talking. Um, He's uh, adopted uh, pretty similar views to Bernie Sanders as far as environmental issues, um, you know, to try and protect the environment, which, as I've mentioned many times before on this podcast, environment is not political. And if you think it's a political thing, and if you don't believe in climate change, you're not my friend. Anyways, um, Pete Buttigieg has done, and he... Um, I actually didn't even know this was a thing, but I was watching a news report by, uh, what was it, either CNN or or something, and they were talking about how he was one of the best attack dogs, pre-election attack dogs that they've ever seen, and I didn't know that was a thing, but I think that's really cool, um, and yeah, he's done a phenomenal job, um, Especially, it's great because, you know, he is really branching out on Fox News and stuff, uh, and, uh, where a lot of, you know, Republicans who are maybe on the fence, uh, some moderates might be watching. And he's, I don't know if he's really changed the uh, projection of the election at all, because, you know, um, obviously people are pretty decided. There are not a lot of undecided voters, to be frank. Um, but he's, 
been quite entertaining. So anyways, go Pete Buttigieg. And he was um, one of probably like my top candidate. Uh, he is very moderate, which I was quite, quite moderate uh, a couple months ago. Uh, <laughs> quite a dynamic change there. And I think that's pretty common among, um, you know, youth. And I think also just the the circumstances that this country has had with COVID and, of course, um, the murder of George Floyd and um, a lot of racial awakenings and, and many other um, sort of things, I have very much uh, changed my view quite dramatically, especially when it comes to, um, you know, race relations and even even economic policy. Um, I, I think that was one of the biggest things, and I've, I've talked about this on a previous episode too. I used to procre- proclaim that I was fiscally conservative, but socially liberal, and that is the dumbest thing that I probably have ever said in my life, because, you know, anyone with a brain can understand that social and economic things are very, very closely tied. And that is basically saying, you know, of course, like, I think black people shouldn't be killed by the police, but, um, like, they should not get any government funding. And it doesn't matter that I, like, support you if I'm not willing to put money behind that, because that's how things get done. Like, they need money, they need economic support, they need economic funding. And also, it's important to notice that, um, you know, oppression is largely economic oppression. Um, The fact that some people are, uh, that the Black community is disproportionately likely to be below the poverty line and is is partly because of all the economic barriers that we've set for them. Um, you know, it's it's a direct result of greenlining and redlining and uh, making sure that they couldn't buy houses in certain communities and making sure that um, they their schools were underfunded, um, not having, you know, obviously Brown versus Board of Education. Um, they weren't allowed to attend the same schools as white people for the for forever, um, you know, segregation and and the impacts of these things are very widespread. And it's important to note that this was um, what now, like eighty years ago, but still, um, the impacts are quite profound in their economic impacts. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, that's just a little a little side note, and I, I'm I've really gone in depth on this on another episode, but. Regardless, um, I I think that um, if I were to go back now and choose a candidate, I'd probably go with Elizabeth Warren, <laughs> which I think is pretty pretty um, expected. I think she's awesome. She's so educated. She's so intelligent. She was so amazing on the debate stage. She has wonderful, really, really, really well thought out um, plans. And uh, she, I think a lot of the reason that perhaps she didn't gain as much as as much support as Bernie Sanders was, um, you know, partially because people know Bernie Sanders better and he obviously has more name recognition. He ran in 2016, almost one then two. 
Uh, also, a little bit of it was sexism, I think. Uh, she did experience a lot of sexism in the race, which was annoying. Um, but, no, she was she was really extraordinary. And I think, uh, you know, looking back, um, whose, like, quotes or moments stood out the most, and I would definitely argue Elizabeth Warren uh, was um, probably my favorite candidate. Um but regardless, um, we're here now with uh, Mr. Joe Biden, and he, I mean, he has done, um, I think he's done a really good job with the campaign so far. They've definitely painted him as, like, this reliable, dependable, kind, uh, you know, character versus Donald Trump, who is the complete opposite racist bigot xenophobic um rude um <laughs> like bully just a terrible guy all around i mean like he's cheated on his wife multiple times there's not a lot of good in his character like he's very arrogant and just like kind of a bad guy just like all around um versus joe biden who obviously i don't know on a personal level but i genuinely think that he is a much better person than Donald Trump. I think he has a lot more empathy, a lot more compassion. And they've done a really great job throwing that, showing that through uh, his campaign. However, I also know that um, Trump supporters are way, way, way more passionate about their candidate than Biden supporters. Um, like, obviously, I'm a Biden supporter. Obviously, I can't vote, but I will be forcing my parents to vote for Biden. I will make sure that they vote for Biden. And I'll make sure every single person who I know who can vote, votes for Biden. But it's not my whole personality trait. And uh, maybe it is for me more than other people um, or other Biden supporters that I know, just because I am so interested in politics and I really like talking about it. Um, so obviously people know that I'm very pro-Biden and very liberal. Um, but... I think that, um, you know, especially the right and Trump supporters have made it almost like a personality trait to support him. Like, I definitely see um, way more just, like, uh, excitement, honestly. I, you see way more excitement um, from the Trump supporters, which I think makes sense because, um, I mean, he's... <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating when I say he's become almost like a Jesus figure. You know, if you look at Trump supporter Facebook, you will see lots of images of Donald Trump um, either with Jesus or, you know, as Jesus. It's really weird, um, especially on some of those like QAnon Facebook things, which thankfully was taken down. But also, you know, Facebook is just a total different story. Actually, a great podcast idea. Definitely will be doing that. Um, but Anyways, I I do I do see a lot more excitement from them, and I also know that, um, you know, going to more election predictions, I definitely think that um, it is pretty likely that Trump has a win on election night. Um, let me explain that. So, I think there is distrust of mail-in ballots on both sides for the Democrats. It's more that you know the postal service has really been jeopardized by Louis DeJoy. Um, you know, a, a big Republican donor, a big Trump supporter, and he has uh, taken away a lot of funding and made it um, 
It's raised a lot of questions about how safe it is to mail in your ballot this year and whether it'll even be counted. Um, there is questions about the the legitimacy legitimacy of um, this election as far as mail-in ballots go. On, on both sides, obviously, the Republicans are skeptical of it because Trump has, um, you know, talked about mail-in voter fraud hundreds of times. Um, he is a big promote, proponent of the idea that uh, mail-in votes cause fraud or are fraudulent, and that is obviously been proven false, not true, and there's almost no basis of truth to that, but um, there's no convincing the president, you know, so he, um, yeah, so he believes that, which is sort of interesting, <laughs> but uh, there's definitely distrust on both sides, but I would say more on the Republican side, so it's pretty likely that more Republicans will be going in uh, more more Trump supporters, I should say, because they're not exactly equivalent. Um, they will be going in to polling stations and voting in person um, way more than Democrats will be, because as we very well know, um, the Democrats are taking this pandemic way more seriously than Republicans are. That's just fact. Um, so it's pretty likely that more of them vote over mail. And because of, you know, those post office cuts and stuff, it's there's a pretty good possibility that ballots will not be counted until after the election. You know, those mail-in ballots will be counted first. And uh, in many states, there's sort of the law where you can, as long as it's postmarked by election day, you, your ballot still counts. So it is likely that a lot of the votes for Biden will come in later than the votes for Trump, which might mean that he has a victory on election night, but he doesn't have an actual victory because a lot of those ballots haven't been counted yet. And that would be a real problem because um, this president is very unpopular. And I really don't think that if he, if he does end up having a victory, I don't think it would be representative of what the American people actually want, which is terrifying because, you know, if he does have an election night victory, which again is unfortunately very probable, especially since he's going and telling his supporters to poll watch or essentially be voter intimidators. Um, it is likely that on that he wins that night and then he's able to, you know, uh, procla proclaim that he won, even though he didn't technically, <laughs> which is, it's, it's a scary thought. What if he refuses to concede? There's actually a really wonderful Atlantic article kind of going through all of the different possibilities. It would be sort of disastrous, um, especially if the election comes close or ends in a tie, which of course is entirely possible because as we know, the election depends entirely on just a handful of states. And unfortunately, a lot of those states are going to Trump this year because, um, you know, a lot of the states that we typically think of as swing states are in the rust bucket, you know, such as Hawaii or Hawaii. No, Hawaii is hard blue, please. Um, such as Ohio and, um, uh, I like Michigan and uh, I think even Wisconsin, you know, like those kinds of states that are, you know, our typical, our typical swing states. 
as they like to call them. Even like Pennsylvania is kind of like rust bucket y, I think. Um, so the, the, those states are the ones that it's really going to depend on. And um, recently, especially Ohio, I'm kind of basically going off Ohio because I feel like Ohio is a good indicator of the rest of them. Like I feel like it's the most iconic of the swing states. And I really think um, Ohio in particular has gone Republican for the last couple years, actually. And it was a huge integral part of uh, Trump's win. I actually used to live there and I lived there in 2016 when Trump won and he had um, massive support and he still does to this day. Again, it's their personality traits, which, yeah. Um, so, you know, um, in, in that case, if it was a tie, it would go to the House of Representatives. And what is unfortunate about that is each state gets one vote in that case. And there are far more Republican states than there are Democratic states. And part of that is Democratic states are much, much larger. Um, you know, California is probably has the population of like, what, like 500 Nevadas. Maybe. I don't even know. Is Nevada even Republican? I have no idea. Um, I could not tell you. But, you know, like those middle center states that everybody kind of forgets about, like California probably has like nine times the population of all of them combined. It's probably not accurate. But um, it's it's a huge state compared to a lot of those states. Um, but it ends up mattering much, much, much less you know, um, which is kind of ridiculous because people in Wyoming are not bigger than people in California. So therefore, I think that they should all have equal representation, but that is not true at all. Um, Wyoming only has three electoral college, um, I think only has three electoral college votes, uh, which means that every single person's vote contributes to more than it does in California, which is kind of ridiculous. But regardless, um, I think that in in that case, it would be quite devastating because um, it would probably be a Trump victory. And I have no idea what would happen to this country in that case. Um, I think it would be very violent and scary, <laughs> especially since he has, you know, not committed to uh, stepping down from the presidency depending on the results of the election. He has not committed to accepting the results of the election. He said that it, he would only accept it if it wasn't fraudulent. And I think that's kind of, I don't know. I, I just, it, it makes me nervous to hear him say that because that is just stupid and scary. Um, regardless, um, I... I, I think even even a Biden presidency would be kind of scary. Um, again, Trump does not have popular support, but he definitely does have more than 40% of America supporting him. There are plenty of Trumpets. I really hate to say it, but there are a lot, a lot, a lot, a crazy amount of Trump supporters in this country, more than I would ever think. And, you know, um, a lot of recently at least a lot of um 
at least like racially motivated, politically motivated violence has been from right wing uh, groups like the Proud Boys, which of course Trump can refuse to condemn at the debate. Um, what was it like two weeks ago now? Which is absolutely ridiculous, but again, like not entirely surprising because our president is literally insane. Um, but it, it, uh, you know, and he has gained their support. Uh, he told them to stand back and stand by, which made them very excited. So, um, it is pretty likely that violence erupts either way. Um, especially since Trump, especially if Trump refuses to accept the results of the election, he can definitely be forcefully removed from office, even if he doesn't technically concede. Um, but he will still be able to, you know, rally his supporters in all probability, unless it is an absolute crushing defeat, which I'm really hoping for. But obviously, we haven't really seen that. In recent American history, um, it has come pretty close, actually, in most elections. Um, as far as the Electoral College goes, at least, uh, obviously, the popular vote has been a little bit different. Um, like, for example, Hillary Clinton won by three million votes, which is the greatest margin ever. Like, she, she had a lot of popular support, especially when you consider that, uh, what, only, um, I, hmm, I want to say... <sighs> was it like 16 million Americans voted last year? I might be incorrect on that, but, um, you know, she, she had the majority of popular support, but she still lost. Um, so I guess we will, (laughs) I hate to say this, but I guess we will see what happens. Um, it is very scary, but also I recommend everybody check out the Atlantic article. It is very, very long, but it's called um, If Trump Refuses to Concede. It's it's awesome. Um, it's really, really, really good journalism from the Atlantic. As usual, they're, they're awesome. Um, but I am hoping that regardless of who wins or loses, we can come together as a country and um, avoid a lot of the uprising, which um, the Atlantic, or I actually don't remember if they said anything about that explicitly in their article, but that I predict will happen um, if either of the two candidates are elected. Um, I guess we'll see. I'm obviously hoping it's Joe. I am very strongly supporting Joe. He is... (laughs) I don't even think there is a question as to who is the preferred candidate at this point, but he's definitely the better candidate, and I guess we shall see what happens. Um, I'm hoping to do more future episodes on this topic because I find it super fascinating. Again, it's a shocker. I find everything fascinating. Um, but regardless, um, I will see y'all next time.